Hi, hello, everybody out there, and welcome to tonight's episode of the Terrific Talk Podcast, the horror podcast that weekly aims to answer one question, one main question, why horror? We have a fabulous episode for you tonight because tonight's guest is going to be the Twisted Girl Next Door, also known as Chauncey K. Robinson on YouTube. And it is going to be a great and fabulous conversation tonight. But first, we are going to go to a segment called Brandy Recommends, where I recommend a horror film, horror book, a horror TV show for you to watch. And this week's recommendation comes courtesy of a guest that I had on episode 16, I believe, Ben Rock. So thank you, Ben Rock, very much for recommending this movie to me. And this movie is called Terrified. As he said, not to be confused with Terrifier, which is the movie on Netflix about the clown. Terrified is a horror movie that was made in Argentina. And... It is a ghost story of sorts, but it is a different take on the ghost story because, as you know, ghost stories usually have to do with exorcisms and haunted houses and things of that nature. And that is a trope that tends to get a little bit tired and a little bit old. And this movie approaches it in such a way that it, it's not an exorcism. It keeps you on your toes. It's fresh. It's unique. It's got a little bit of a sci-fi element thrown in there. And I'm not going to spoil it as to how. It's just a movie that you will need to watch for yourself. And I feel like I shill shudder all the time. But... And I'm not sponsored by them. It's just a service that I highly appreciate and that I highly recommend that you check out. Uh, Terrified is a Shudder original movie that is definitely one that you need to check out. It wasn't like, ah, I, although I jumped a few times. But it did keep me on my toes. And it was fresh, and it was interesting. It wasn't the typical horror fair. I highly suggest that you check it out. Terrific talk. And with me... There's a milestone here because I have my first YouTuber here on Terrific okay. Talk. So uh, here I have Ms. Chauncey K. Robinson, otherwise known as the Twisted Girl Next Door on YouTube. Yes. So, <laughs> so welcome, Chauncey. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm on LA time, so it's still a little early for me. So that's cool. So I got the daylight. <laughs> yeah, we've got dark and darkness and cold. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> so it's probably a lot warmer in LA than it is here in Missouri. <laughs> yeah, it was it was raining for a little bit, but now it's gotten a little bit better. I know I'm complaining about rain, right? That's nothing. So 
Yeah. Well, here we have snow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I remember you talking about how you made a trip to Chicago and uh, recently and how it was just like, ah, cold and ah, snow. Yeah, I go back and forth there for my um, some of my journalism work. So and I can't stand when I have to go over there for during the winter time. So it's always. <laughs> oh, okay. so what uh, journalism work do you do? Well, um, the journal, it's, it's culture still. I'm a film and TV critic. So um, basically it's for publication, People's World. Uh, that's the main one I work with. And um, I, you know, I'm on an editorial board and I mainly focus on the culture section, but then I do occasional like politics and stuff, the dreaded politics that people don't like to talk about. So I do political journalism. That's kind of like, uh, yeah, I get paid for that too. So that helps. <laughs> Yeah, so you get to spout off your political opinion and get paid yeah. for it at the yeah. same time. Yeah, I, I love horror, though, mm. the most, though. So that's what I really want to start focusing on a bit more. But, I, you know, I've just, I feel really, like, just lucky to be able to work in media in general and have that be my main thing, period, no matter, you know, what it is and, and what aspect, my writing and stuff and talking to people about culture, so. Yeah, and horror can have political themes, so you could take, like, the two areas and kind of mesh them together. Oh, horror is uh, uh, is definitely. I I know there's some people. It's kind of controversial for some people when it comes to horror, and some people think horror should be totally apolitical. But I think those people don't necessarily always kind of connect it to the history of what we know with horror. So, and that was one of the things that drew me to the genre was its progressive tendencies or the tendency to kind of reflect society in such a fantastical way. So uh, yeah, with the politics and politics can be a horror show, so. <laughs> yeah, as a, in this case, an almost four year horror show. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, I just, I'm gonna. Yeah, absolutely. My, I have three cats. This is <laughs> the life of uh, being someone with cats. They suddenly pick the most opportune times to care to be around me. Yeah. Sorry about that. I had to let them out. You know, cats, they they keep away demons. That's why, why I have them, for sure. <laughs> That's the folklore. It is. It's a folklore. Yeah. That yep. if, you have de- if you have cats, they keep out they keep out bad spirits. So yeah. They have bad attitudes, but they keep out bad spirits. So. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be a big-time cat person, but now it's yeah. just like dogs, dogs everywhere. <laughs> I like dogs, too. I definitely like dogs. <laughs> and... No, and yeah, so don't don't worry just about like if there's any interruptions or like if you have to just like take a short break or something because okay. this this podcast it's like very just like conversing conversations. So awesome. I like to call it an officially unofficial podcast. Awesome. <laughs> I, those are my favorite kind. <laughs> All right, so we kind of jumped a little bit ahead into horror, but let me go ahead like and backtrack and let yeah. you introduce yourself. So talk about just exactly what you do on YouTube. And if you want to talk a little bit about your YouTube channel, you can do that as well. Yeah, well, my YouTube channel, it's it's the Twisted Girl Next Door TV. And I've had it, it's going, it's going to be a year. Um, I used to, in terms of like the consistent videos I've done with the horror, um, because just about a year ago, I really just decided, I, I love being in media, but I really wanted to kind of focus in on the content of horror and stuff. So I thought, why not like a horror, dark fantasy kind of channel. I also talk about like dark superheroes and stuff like that. So I've been doing that consistently on my channel and I'm a verified Rotten Tomatoes film critic too. So really what's great about 
Rotten Tomatoes, what they've done, they, they, you know, they expanded the pool to make it more diverse and stuff for women and women of color and things like that. So what I'm able to do with uh, my channel is a lot of, uh, you know, horror reviews of movies and TV shows, which is kind of the main focus of the channel itself. And one of the things I've recently connected back to it is my blog, which is pretty much an extension of that, just kind of in wording and my thoughts, um, kind of expounding a bit more on some of the videos and things of that nature. So... Yeah. Were there kind of doubts when you started on YouTube? Because there are a lot of horror channels on YouTube that do like horror movie reviews um, and horror show reviews. So were there ever like doubts when you started like, oh man, it's like there's already so much of that on YouTube. Like, how am I going to (laughs) compete? You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's YouTube. I think for if you're not on YouTube, it can feel like a mystery, right? I feel like it's one of those things like people don't know, like, do I just post a video and what it doesn't go viral? Does it not go viral? I don't know. I'll just put it up. I'll post once a month or maybe I'll post five times a week. You know, it's one of the things where I really, I love learning. So one of the things when I went to it, I was like, I need to figure out how these algorithms, I had to get tech with it. You know, I'm not the most tech savvy person, but in terms of like social media and like uh, algorithms, things of that nature, just how it works, you know, because like anything, there are so many people on so many things, right? Like there's billions of people on the planet. There's so many people doing so many things. So the, for me, it was kind of like, well, I could pick this thing that I think I'd have a lot of fun in, or I could try to pick something where I think it's not as many people. And um, I wanted to go with something I, I had a passion for, even if, you know, it can seem like a daunting thing. And you're right, like there are so many people on YouTube, right? Yeah. And I mean, I'm still a growing channel. You know, I just reached my milestone of like 800 or so subscribers, which I'm really proud of because in like just some months, you know, and I know there's, you know, people who are trying to like get you know, who have been doing this for like eight years or so and things of that nature. So to be someone who's just been doing these consistent videos for some months now and getting such a great response has been great. Someone actually called me a unicorn on there in a positive way Uh, (laughs) because of the fact of I, you know, I am a black woman, a, a young black woman doing horror. And one thing they said, they was like, you know, I don't usually see someone like this, you know, doing this sort of thing and and uh, as a woman of color, like really like leading on it sort of a deal, you know, and I think that really meant something to me because I really do think representation matters. And if nothing else, that kind of spurred me ahead to keep going with it because of the idea of uh, just kind of being able to give people that inspiration to say, yeah, you exist. We exist, you know. We love horror too, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, there are all sorts, I love the horror community because there's all sorts of different kinds of horror fans. And you came into my uh, purview just um, uh, on the, like, YouTube recommends. I was watching something related to, to the 2018 Halloween, and I, like, saw, like, one of your videos in the sidebar. I was just like, well, really, what's that? And I kind of, <laughs> and I clicked on it, and it's just like, oh, okay. But then, like, I kind of forgot who you who you were like for a series of months and then you came back into my purview with mm. that awesome awesome video about the five uh, overused horror tropes that need to be oh, yeah. left behind as like oh my gosh like yeah i kind of remember her but now it's just like this is freaking awesome so it's just like you are my new favorite horror youtuber thank you i appreciate that i mean that's just it's just, yeah and you're right like the horror community and just people in this community have been so so cool and welcoming you know i know 
there's a whole thing when it comes to certain fandoms and stuff where people are like, man, it can be really hard to try to join certain, like, you know, like the superhero community and comics. Yeah. And stuff. <laughs> That's a whole thing, you know, because I, I like comic books too, but I have found with the horror community, people have just been so welcoming and so helpful. You know, one of my faves, uh, Dead Meet James, that uh, YouTube um, channel and James and Chelsea over there have just, you know, just such support and just so such cool people who really just have a passion and love for what they do. And that comes through also in your videos. And one of the things that also attracts me to the videos is I'm a research nerd. And I could tell that there's a lot of research that goes into your videos. Uh, so about how long do you spend like researching on like, say, a horror topic, like if you're going to do something about um, like a movie review or like say your overused horror tropes, about how much research does it take like to do a YouTube video? I mean, it depends. Like on, I had I have a segment where, like you mentioned, um, overhyped horror, and um, that one I tried because you know when you go after classics, you got to kind of come with your stuff legit because if you don't, there's going to be someone who's going to be like, well, you missed that one point in 1972 when this person said this, and um, <laughs> so I have to make sure I come like correct. So when I do the research, particularly for the classes, yeah, it takes me a little bit. Like I'll watch, I'll rewatch the movie or if it's my first time watching and I'll watch it. And then I kind of just, you know, go. It's, and this is where my journalism comes into play. And that's why I'm so grateful to um, have that, this work and that career and stuff of that nature, because it helps me in terms of research, in terms of finding sources, in terms of being able to go down the rabbit hole and find out who said this and when did they say it and what's the backdrop, what's the theme. So that can take, maybe a few hours or so. Um, I always like doing that because I learned something new. The funny thing though about YouTube is, you know, they tell you, you can't make really long videos. No one wants to listen past 15 minutes. And I think I have all this stuff I want to say though. So it's, it's, it's that balance. It's like, I want people to, you know, get what I'm saying, but I also know brevity for some people is best or whatever, but at least I know it. So mm -hmm. that's always good. But yeah, I have to come correct because if I don't, someone somewhere is gonna point out something I quoted wrong or something. And even then, if you think that you've come across like with all your facts, all your research, you're gonna have that one person that says, well, like you said, you missed this point, 1972 <laughs> when character B said this and character C said that. It's just like, but I also, I really like how you approach it because you're like, you know, I know my stuff about horror, but I don't know everything. Yeah, I no. think, you know, I think that's important because, yeah. I mean, especially, I think, for women and, you know, people of color sometimes, particularly women, um, at times, you know, film can be dominated kind of by the male gaze, by male critics and things of that nature. And that can kind of set the tone on what's acceptable, what's good horror. And one of the reasons why I started, like, the overhyped horror segment was because I wanted to challenge kind of that status quo. It's like, well, who decided, you know, this movie was the best movie ever? Like, who decided I needed to watch this movie before I die? Like, who who got to decide that? I don't know. So I like, you know, I like to challenge that sort of norm. And yeah, you're right. Like, there are, there it can, it, there's been, a, it's been a really good response to it. And then there's been people who are kind of like, how dare you, you know? And it's it's really funny to me because I'm just like, wow, you really are like, someone told me I should stick to Harry Potter one time when it came to uh, talking about horror movies. 
They're like, stick to Harry Potter. I think one day assume maybe I was 12. I don't know. And it's just like Harry Potter's been out for a minute. I don't know if you're trying to assume I'm like super young in mind, so I have no right to say anything. But um, and you get that sometimes. But I, that kind of rolls off my back for every person that's kind of like, I'm so glad you did that. Because for every horror movie that I've challenged where someone's like, how dare you? There's been some people who will tell me or even say online, I'm so glad someone finally said it. Because it'll be something they didn't want to say out loud, but my video, they would say, gave them the courage to say it online. Oh, I really don't like this movie either. either. Which just kind of shows the way with film, with content, how there can be this mentality to kind of, you know, just kind of go with what everyone else is thinking to the point where Mm -hmm. until you get that dissenting view and someone says, well, actually, I don't really think that was very good. And then someone like, you know what? I kind of thought it too. I just didn't want to say anything. And I think we need more of that. We need more different differentiating voices to, you know, to make it so everyone's kind of represented. Exactly. So you could be that voice for someone who wasn't like brave enough to say, well, I actually thought this movie kind of stuck. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Horror in any other genre is subjective. It's like we probably have different tastes in horror movies and we're not going to like the same thing. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean, there's so, and there's so, that's the great thing about horror. There's so many different subgenres of Mm -hmm. horror because, and that's the thing too, because um, there are people when they think horror, they think some people just think, you know, slasher is always someone getting killed. Mm-hmm. Somebody thinks body horror, like it's exploding heads. Other people think, oh, it's a ghost, you know, but all of those are actually correct answers. And yeah, there are, I mean, there are some subgenres of horror. Although in the since I started this channel, I have, I like to feel like, you know, I've broadened my horizon a bit in certain movies that I would probably would never have watched mm-hmm. had I not been reviewing them. But um, there are some some subgenres. I'm like, no, I don't like that. I can't. (laughs) Like, and there were a few. I'm just like, I don't like that kind of horror. Sorry. And we'll get to like the ones that you don't like in just a minute. But let's kind of talk about the ones that um, you do like. And that thing about broadening your horizons. I found that very interesting. Because since I started this podcast, I've kind of broadened my horizons to more foreign horror. And I Mm. tend to like that a little bit more. So like what um, is your are your favorite kinds of horror, I guess, types of movies? And then like what new genres, I guess, like what new types of horror movies do you like? I I tend to like movies that um, are a bit more um, ghost related, a little bit more mystery. Um, one of you know one of my favorite franchises that have come out in the last couple of years has been like the Conjuring franchise, and and that's mainly because I'm a big narrative person when it comes to the story, when it comes to the characters and things more than you know necessarily um, a gory monster necessarily um so i tend to i sometimes and sometimes sometimes in my videos i say less is more uh for me just because i think if you can really build up the fear that i don't know what's in the dark i don't know what that is yet but i'm still terrified i think you've done your job so i tend to like those more i tend to like those kind of ones that stay with you like yeah those are like the haunting of hill house uh, series that came out on Netflix like I absolutely loved that because it was so full of character driven and yeah there was a few ghosts here and there but it was really about that fear of the individual and um 
Then in terms of like the expanding ones, body horror. I've never really been into that. Like I, you know, the whole idea of, uh, you know, uh, I still haven't approached it yet, but I've been meaning to want to watch, what is it, Phantasm? Uh, I think that's the one where I haven't seen any of those movies. And I usually would avoid them because I saw clips and I'm like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> like, I don't like that. <laughs> you know, I don't like that thing, people. I was like, so now I, you know, I've, I've seen a couple of movies that have changed my viewpoint where I do think, oh, this can be good narrative too. This person isn't just totally relying on a head exploding or something like that. This is also a plot line here and maybe I can appreciate that. So, um, which I never thought I'd be into. So, yeah. I would highly recommend Phantasm because it's just one of those movies that I first thought, this is going to be really weird and trippy. <laughs> and yeah, it is like weird and trippy, but I thought it was just like, it was weird, but also fun and kind of mm -hmm. creepy at times. I would love to see you do a video on that and see your take on it. Yeah, no, I de like, there's just, there's so much that there's so many of them. And that's one of them that I just really want to dive into. Cause I'm just like, you know what, you know, I kind of read up on what the plot line was about, about this different dimension. I'm like, well, what is this? Like, <laughs> What is this storyline? And so I, yeah, it just drew me to it. But like I said, going off of just like clips, I have seen people posting here and there. I was like, oh no, like, is that the crux of it? And uh, like I said, I just think, recently I've just been able to ex like expand my horizon in terms of what I'm willing to get into. There is still some horror that I still am just like, no, yeah. but yeah. Now let's get to that. What is the type of horror you were like, uh, uh, I will never ever touch this ever. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So I'm probably going to get some plaque, but, um, I am not a big fan of those like home invasion type ones. Like I'll sit through some of them where it's a little bit more, I thought The Strangers, right, was the first one was pretty good because it was based off of something that kind of maybe happened and everything. And, you know, it plays on the reality of the world that there are real humans who can be quite evil and things of that nature. But I think for whatever reason, there that there had just been like such an explosion of those kind of movies where it's just like... Mm -hmm. There's so many movies where it's just like a really crappy person and they're just like getting in the house and randomly targeting this happy family or a, per a person and just doing really st stuff that you watch on the news, you know? And I'm not, mm -hmm. and like I said, although I say horror is, can be greatly reflective of society, I think it's usually done in such a creative way where it's like you can still enjoy it as a horror movie yet it is reflective of all themes of society. And I think movies like that sometimes are just like, you literally just took something I heard on News at 11 and made it two hours. Yeah, you know I mean, like I literally just had to watch this person get raped and then killed or something like that. And I'm just like, that's not entertaining to me. Like I don't particularly care for movies that, I know. I think they're useful depending on who makes them. Like uh, I know Rape Revenge is a thing um horror movies i don't sit through those i i can't i can't i think they're a little bit gratuitous at times sometimes uh, okay. i think it depends i think it depends on who makes it though because right, so, sometimes yeah so uh i take it have you seen a, i spit on your grave that's one of the no. movies that no 
Okay. <laughs> I have I haven't I haven't either because I've been told like, you know, you should see it because it's about like even though she went through this horrific experience that she comes out the other side like empowered and like she gets revenge. It's just like I find that kind of thing really hard to sit through. Yeah. But this goes back to the whole idea of <laughs> I mean, who makes it, yeah. what is they're making it for because I honestly don't think rape scenes need to be in movies necessarily, like not graphic stuff like that, because we know it happens. It happens like every five minutes to a woman in the world, you know, like stuff like that. I'm just like, I don't see any entertaining value to that. And even if she comes out strong, why is this in a horror movie? You know, there was this movie, I'll call it out, Thanksgiving, where the turkey, you know, sexually assaults the woman before it beheads her. And I thought to myself, this says it's a horror comedy. And I was like, what is funny about that? It's not funny at all. (laughs) You know, but these are the things. And it's a great thing about this genre, right? You just find so many stuff. It pushes you to your limit. Sometimes it pushes you over your limit. You love it. You hate it. That's one of the great things I love about horror. But every so often, (laughs) you get these movies where you're like, oh, who made this? You know, like, why did they think that was great, a good thing? Yeah, that's also kind of how I felt about Tusk. I don't know, like, if you've seen that, but someone said, hey, watch this, because I like Kevin Smith. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll watch it. And it was just like, I was up to, like, four in the morning, like, after I watched it, going, like, how do I feel about this? Like, I don't know. This is so weird and disturbing. I don't know if you've seen that. No, I haven't. And now I probably won't. <laughs> so, yeah, I probably, I don't think that would be up your alley because I watched no. that and I was just like that meme. Why though? That's like, why though? Yeah. Well, why though? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's one of the, one of the things I actually started doing in my videos was trigger or trigger warnings okay. um, segment. Um, and that, you know, once again, it's, that's the great thing about YouTube too. It's, it's such a, it's a weird, it's not a total like social media platform, right? It's a it's a platform that has content people can take in. They can be passive when they take it in, but it's also content they can be interactive with. And one of the things like what we're talking about now, I thought to myself, you know, I watch movies where, you know, you have that website, I think, Does the Dog Die that people go to. Uh-huh. But I also know for myself, like if I watch someone's review, it'd be nice you know, in between someone saying, this is such a great movie, da, da, da. And then I watch it and then there's that one scene where like, you know, a animal who I love animal gets blown to smithereens right in front of me or something. I'm like, wow, it would be really nice (laughs) to get that kind of warning, you know? And um, that's the thing with like, I, I try to think of my reviews and stuff as a service, you know, as a product review for people. So just like, when I take in a movie, I want someone to include something to tell me, okay, this might not necessarily spoilery, but at least enough to tell me if you don't like that, you may not <laughs> like want to watch this, which I think is helpful. I mean, why not? You know? Yeah. It's like, please warn me if the dog is going to die in this movie, please. I don't like yeah. that. I hate that. Oh my gosh. I honestly, <laughs> I'm so old. That's in my trope video. I'm so over it. Like me, like me, uh, yeah, like me too. Like it comes to a point. It has come to a point where if in any movie, if I see there's a dog in it and the dog ends up surviving, I'm just like, what? Really? This happened? Yeah, I think it's such. I, I think almost think it's kind of. 
I think at times we, I love tropes sometimes because they're tried and true. There are things we're used to, boy meets girl or whatever and falls in love. Like those are things, they're not inherently bad. But I do think there's overdone things where, you know, people kind of, it gets lazy narrative. Like you just know sometimes when an animal shows up that this is what the person's going to do to prove to you that uh, this this killer's real evil because, hey, they just killed the cat. And it's like, well, we know, we know they're evil because they're killing people. Like, I don't need to know they're evil by you killing, you know, Puffy or, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't need to see that to prove your point. But they do that so often where it's just like, it's kind of almost, it's just narrative. It's just like lazy narrative, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's not a horror film, but... Uh... Uh, there's points where I could forgive it, like uh, John Wick, for example. Oh, oh yes. That scene, yes. that scene tore me to shreds, but then it's just like he took it and then just used it to like plan his badass revenge just against everybody. It's like, yes, you go, John Wick. <laughs> no, exactly. Oh, my gosh. I love the John Wick series. Yeah. I am in love with the John Wick series for that very reason, because, yeah. yes, that is such a tough scene. But I felt like, if anything, it was kind of like, you know what? We're tired of people killing the animals. <laughs> in these, you know what? We're going to have a whole franchise that starts off from this guy getting revenge about the killing of the animals. You know what I mean? I was just like, this This is my movie. Yep. This is a movie for people like me who yep. are tired of the dogs dying. Yes, okay? for the dogs. <laughs> exactly. And But he always seems to have a different dog in every movie. It's like, John, I love you, but you may, maybe you just don't need to be on dogs. I know. Yeah. There's like three going to be. I think there's about three or four in the upcoming one, which I'm excited for. Yeah. yeah. Three, four. Yeah. If they all survive the movie, then I, I will be happy. They have to. It would just be in the wrong kind of messaging if they kill these dogs. I think we're all very nervous about the dogs, but I trust John Wick. I trust them. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, yeah. I love those movies. Can't wait for the next one. But yeah, I kind of got off on a tangent here, which it, <laughs> It happens like my mind goes no, on. I'm down, so, let me, I'm down. Yeah, so let me kind of like reel it back in here and just kind of talk about um this why do you love horror so much as a genre i think you like kind of previously mentioned like a little bit about it but i just kind of expand on that if you feel like you can so what is it about horror that attracts you to it well i mean for me um in terms of just a genre i think it's one it's like a it's kind of like this genre that can have everything in it, right? In my opinion. Like, you can have a horror movie that has romance in it, that has action, that has a thriller kind of thing, that has supernatural tendency. It kind of has everything in it. It's kind of a one-stop. It can be a one-stop shop, you know, in terms of genre. Like, you know, you have romances and you have, like, action movies and stuff that they can't randomly have a ghost in there. Horror can though. And it can still also have a romance and things of that nature or action sequence and, and things like that. So I, I love it because I'm not someone when I'm home and I want to, you know, pop in a movie that I'm just necessarily like, okay, let me just put pop. I don't really care for rom-coms or anything like that, but you know, I can put while I'm cleaning the house, I can put on nightmare on Elm street dream warriors because you know, there's comedy in that there's some action. There's a monster who I love and you know, there's a plot line and there's just something about horror where kind of the sky's the limit with it. It doesn't get enough respect, I think in mm -hmm. mainstream um, thing. And I think part of, part of that is because it can be done 
for the for cheaper and things like that. So I think it's more like these big time execs and stuff maybe not might not see that there's real money to be made sometimes, but we've we've seen that's not necessarily the case either. They do well at the box office, extremely well, and actually more cost efficient because they usually don't cost as much as bigger blockbusters and things. And um, there's just something about um, I'm a story person, you know, and there's just something about with horror where you can tell so many different kinds of stories and put so many elements in it that you're not limited to the world that we know, you know? Um, and then like I was, I mentioned earlier, um, there's also the progressive tendencies because I do think it's a genre where it was probably one of the first kind of films I saw growing up where, you know, just, uh, certain characters that I didn't see always represented in other places. I mean, you know, horror still has ways to go with certain aspects too. But then, you know, horror also has very strong women leads at times. You know, there's very strong like women protagonists in horror films. And they're able they're they're the ones usually fighting the monster or the triumphant one at the end. And action movies and stuff like that, that's not always the case. In fact, it's hardly the case sometimes, right? It's always usually the guy and it's the woman with the love and in- who's the love interest and whatnot. So it's like, well in horror movies, it's Nancy. <laughs> you know, it's like it's the Nancy, it's the Laura. You know, it's 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 those characters who get to kind of be the be a hero, and that was something that was great for me. And then in in other senses, you know, you had like uh, George Romero with um with his his movies and stuff that were zombie features, but they were reflective about themes in society. You know, about uh, a strong woman character or a black a black protagonist and stuff. And I thought here's people doing using this genre to display something and they're not bludgeoning anyone over the head with it right Right. usually and it's like you can go watch this get a good time out of it but also still uh get messaging out of it if that's something you need to have conveyed to you and and i mean we see jordan pill doing it and on such an even larger scale yes yes um and but it's and it's such a great thing but he's running because you know he he was able to run because so many other horror filmmakers who took those steps to infuse the politics and social awareness and and stuff in their themes walked first, you know, like he's able to have that space because these other filmmakers started it in a way. And so it all, it all comes together. It's just, it's such a cool, it's a fun place. You know, it's so many fun things. I actually write, I actually like writing original horror stories too. And I want to start doing more of that, or I've been doing more of that. Um, That was kind of my, I was on, I was in the literary magazine when I was younger. I always wrote stories. That was my thing. And somehow I started, ended up doing like nonfiction like stories, like with my journalism and stuff, because, you know, there's things going on in the world, but um, that's kind of like the, the, the main goal is to, you know, that's one of the reasons why I love the stories so that I can write my own too. So, yeah. That is cool. I didn't know that you wrote your own stories. I do, yeah. So do you have any plans on maybe getting some of them published someday? Yes, I do. <laughs> like I, I have a few um, that I'm working on. I think 
you know, and that's the whole thing about this new digital media world that we live into. Um, you know, like with YouTube, there like there's this aspect of being able to you have these people, us, you know, who are able to like create this content and get it straight to the person who wants to watch it, right? Which is right. so awesome. And we don't have to go through the middle person of a company or some studio telling us, well, maybe you should do this a little different and stuff. It's like, no, this is what I want. And yes. the people decide. And I and there's a little bit of that in to me when it comes to storytelling, of course. I mean, we see that with film, but even like I like writing prose. That's sort of my thing. And plays. Because I was, a, I have a degree in theater, so I wrote plays, and so, so um, where I, I want to think of a way of getting it to the people directly. You know, like kind of, I love comic books. You know, so it's kind of like this way where people maybe buy monthly kind of installments of a story or something like. That. I'm just, you know, I'm playing with the ideas of it because I mean, there's a tried and true route of like a full on book or whatever. Then there's, you know, chapters and episodes and things of that, but I definitely want to get my content out there to the world. So and have someone critique my stories, which I'll be very afraid of, but. <laughs> wow. So that thing about just like episodic installments of a story, that's almost kind of going the Victorian literature route. Like yeah. things like Charles Dickens, like releasing mm -hmm. his little Nell stories, like in installments and people being like, what happens to little Nell? He's like, you have to wait until it's published. Like the next right? time it's published. So that's it's totally, yeah. Totally a thing like newspapers used to do, right? Yeah. Periodical. You yeah. know, it's just like these things were people. And then like a lot of the books that we know now, um, as like classics and stuff, sometimes their original forms were like weekly installments <laughs> in a newspaper or whatever. And then after it was finished, it got compiled into a book that we know. So like I said, it's just kind of different kind of ways of people taking in stuff. And I'm all for it. I'm all for looking for different ways of being able to get my writing out to people because, you know, this, you know, uh, critiquing and diving into the stories of horror is something I love. And I want to be able to also contribute to that community as well. So, you know, people can, you know, see those stories too. Yep. So Chauncey will be bringing it back. You heard it here, folks. In story <laughs> installments. Yes. See, now that I've said it out loud to someone else, now I have to hold myself accountable. Yeah. So. It's just like, someone goes, oh, look, I'm going to take that idea. I'm like, no, it's mine. <laughs> like, yeah. No, there's lots of good ideas out there. It's just like, yeah. that's what I also just love about the creative world just as a whole. All sorts of different ideas, like ways to do things. And it's just like, it's just a matter of jumping on that horse, so to speak, and just taking the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, now... I want to ask, because I always find it fascinating, on uh, nearly every pod podcast episode that I've done, this is episode 18, so we're quite a, a little bit of a ways into it now, the one commonality is that everybody had an early experience with horror. So they're like, well, when I was five or six or ten, I watched this and it creeped the bejesus out of me. So I was just kind of wondering if you had a similar experience and introduction into the horror world. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um... Yeah, well, when I was growing up, I had majority uh, boys around me. Um, I was like the baby, I was the baby girl. And so you can imagine um, when the older people would leave and I was in the baby, I was being babysitted by these boys who loved horror and things. Like a lot of the men of my family, they love horror. They love that and like uh, karate type movies. It's one <laughs> or the other usually. I don't know what that's about, but <laughs> they, they like 
either one of those. And I remember one of the things my mom, I was, I was seriously afraid of Nightmare on Elm Street, which funny enough has become like my favorite franchise ever. <laughs> um, but I was seriously afraid of Freddy Krueger because I think I'm such a daydreamer. I'm so, I'm someone who's always kind of in my head thinking of different scenarios and imagining things. So the idea that there's this entity that can just, if I doze off for a second or something, he comes and kills me really creeped me out. And the one of the things though is my, my brother, Damon, he really likes Nightmare on Elm Street too. So what he would do, he'd want to watch the movie because it would come on TV at the time. And my mom would be like, don't watch it with Chauncey, you know, because it will give her nightmares. So what he would do though, I'd want to sit with him in the house and he'd, he'd watch it anyway. And what he would do, though, is when Freddy would come on screen, he put the blanket over my head so I couldn't see Freddy. But this is the thing. I could still hear Freddy, right? I could still hear his voice. So I would go to bed hearing this voice of Freddy and being creeped out. And then also um, when when we would all be over my granddad's house, what they would do sometimes if I walked out of the room, I'd come back and then everyone would disappear, all the boys would disappear. And then suddenly someone is like scratching on the window outside <gasps> and then whispering, Chauncey, Chauncey. They do this to me a lot. So I <laughs> I was, uh, I don't want to say hazed into the horror thing, but it was kind of like, well, it was either fight or flight in terms of like, okay, I got to conquer this thing. And so I think that traumatized me for a bit, but not like in a serious way. And then um, a few years later, I just finally watched Nightmare on Elm Street. And I was like, I really like this, you know? And I think, I don't know, I just, I, there's just something about these, those stories and just the idea of like nothing, everything's for grabs in horror movies. And I think, one, I think I sort of maybe just used it to conquer my fear because I was so terrified of Freddy Krueger to the point where I ended up embracing him. But that's the thin line of fear, right? It's usually of the unknown. And so then you know it, and it's like, well, maybe I don't hate you. I mean, yeah, I think it's something like that. Sort of philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Freddy Krueger is, um, you know, you got the big three in the slasher zone of the 80s. You have Freddy Krueger, uh, Jason, and Michael Myers. So I don't have to ask you really which one's your favorite, because you kind of already made it clear, I love Freddy Krueger. And Jason is a close second, though. So Jason is a close second of mine. I'm not... I, I like some of the Michael Myers franchise, but I'm not, um, I got, I got some issues with Michael Myers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, especially like in that video where you reviewed the, uh, 2018 Halloween, I remember you saying just one of your biggest kind of, um, pet peeves is just what is Michael Myers really? Like, is what he, is he? <laughs> and I think it had to do, like, I agree with you a lot of the fact that there were, like, there was the first Halloween, which John Carpenter made in 78, but then you had all these ones in between, and then when this one came out in 2018, it's like, well, ignore all these. It's kind of hard for people to, like, ignore all those, and when they talked yeah. about um, possibly making a sequel to the 2018 Halloween, it's just like, well, if you do that, then you kind of destroyed the whole Michael Myers mythology with that, if you're going to do that. So... Yeah. I think it's one of those things where it's um, it's it's money and it's like, you know, wanting to stick through the story. But then that's how it goes. Like when something's a hit, they want to make, especially if the studios have gotten a hold of it, they want to make more. And 
that's usually how it goes. They make more, but sometimes the story isn't supposed to be more. I remember reading up on it where I think John Carpenter said it was only supposed to be a two-parter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it was only supposed to be a two-parter. That's why the third one came out that had nothing to do with Michael Myers. In fact, they kind of went meta mm-hmm. with it where they made it so they were watching Michael Myers on screen. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be, it was Halloween was supposed to be an anthology sort of mm-hmm. thing, which if you look back on it now, he was, John Carpenter was, of course, ahead of his time yes. in that regard because now we love anthology horror series, right? We love, mm-hmm. you know, one moment of a season of dealing with a monster, then going to another home. And people are okay with letting that story go and moving on to the thing. And when this came out, though, people just weren't ready to let go of Michael Myers. Um, and unfortunately, that third one didn't do as well because people were like, where's Michael Myers? Mm-hmm. So, and then the studio was like, oh, he's coming back. But of course, it makes no sense. For him to like how so then it just goes on this rabbit hole of we've got to justify how this how this dude this regular dude because he's supposed to be a regular guy how he somehow keeps surviving and the problem is it was I guess it wasn't until like the fifth or sixth one where they kind of did make a decision on him being possessed and all this other stuff but I mean when it takes like five to six movies. I kind of feel like at this point, you're kind of like, well, we got to say something because how can we do this guy keeps getting shot. So unless he's got, (laughs) you know, you know, and it was, it just, it never, and I think it's, I do think it's my thing about being someone who's really about story and narrative where I'm like, I thought there was a dropping of the ball with that because I guess that's why I like you know, Freddie and Jason a little bit more because they did make a decision. I mean, yeah, even with Jason, it took maybe up to the third movie for him to make, for them to make him undead, but they made that decision and they went with it. They went deep with it. You know what I mean? It was like, oh yeah, he's really dead and he's just a corpse. But with Michael Myers, I don't know. (laughs) It's just like, what is this guy? Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, strange because I've only ever seen like the one that came out recently and the first one. I haven't seen all the ones in between. So for me, I'm a little bit like, more. it's a little bit easier for me to dismiss those in between because yeah. I've never seen them. I don't know like if you've seen any like of those like past the first one. But yeah, it's just like, I will only like be mad if they make another one. Just like, really? I think they've already greenlit it. That's the whole thing. I no, think they've already decided no, that no. there's going to be a sequel to this sequel. And I'm just like, okay. You know, and they left it open for that, right? Like, I mean, no spoilers if you haven't seen it, but yeah, they right. left it open for that. And it was just like, why did you leave it open for that? Like this whole buildup was that this was supposed to be the final right. kind of thing. And once again, I think it's money. I think they were like, hey, this was a hit. Let's get it out again because everyone's going to come see it again and we're going to make money. I'm not saying the people in particular who made this film, of right, course not. Right, right. But I'm saying, like, you know, when the studios and companies get a hold of it, that's it. how it goes, you know? Yeah, jeez. Well, then, like, you better, like, make, like, then they better just be prepared to change this whole mythology because then that's what's going to have to happen. Yeah, because it's like, how do we, how do you... Yeah, how do you justify how he's able to keep, to keep surviving? I don't know. I I I don't know either. That just makes that just makes me so annoyed. And before like I get up on my soapbox, and I know that you have a soap you have a soapbox and I have a soapbox. So I better get off of this soapbox before I just go on this giant rant. So um, you said that um, Jason is a close second to you in terms of yeah. just like favorite like sla- uh, slasher uh, icons. Um, I guess one of my main, uh, I wouldn't even say it kind of like uh, pet peeves about it, is that 
all like the ones that came after like so the first one and the second one and even the third one felt they kind of had a continuous story like to yeah them. all the ones <laughs> after three seem a little bit disjointed so i don't know if like you have that kind of feeling about the movies that came after three or if you've even seen them like what are your thoughts on that oh yeah i've seen them um i i think depending on who got a hold of and what story they went to. I mean, there was the gimmick of the idea of Jason is undead. So we can kill him and we can know we can bring him back again in some capacity. And sometimes they'd bring him back through electricity. Sometimes they'd bring him back because someone tripped on a cord that he was tied to in the lake. I mean, at some point, I guess with, I think the thing about the two differences for me with Nightmare on Elm Street is Nightmare on Elm Street, I kind of, raise that bar because they're because it's Wes Craven and it's the his mythology may rest in peace one of my icons um where you kind of needed to explain that a bit more like who is Freddie his characterization with Jason I think I got to a point where I accepted this idea that this guy is an undead monster and mo- usually he's either buried or he's in the lake and the whole plot line is someone stumbling upon his grave and I, in a way, you can kind of, I don't want to say it's an anthology just with the same monster throughout, but each time there's a different plot line. I mean, there was only one where they were trying to make the character Tommy um, like this new kind of taking, like they were trying to pass the baton, like he was going to be the new Jason, but that didn't work because once again, it was one of those things where people weren't ready to let go of a monster and people wanted Jason to stay around. And so they had to scrap that more so because of the fact people weren't necessarily receptive to the, um, the, the whole thing of a new Jason. Uh, but I usually just take him as a creature feature and I, what makes the Jason movies usually great for me is they always, I tend to always like the cast of expendable people that they put in it. Like some of, there's been some ones where they've had some really interesting, funny, uh, kind of dynamic characters or actors in there where I'm just like, okay, I can, I, you're all going to die. Most of you are going to die, but I can, I can watch this and enjoy it for what it is. Like there's no... There was only one time where they tried to really make it deep, and that was with Jason Goes to Hell, Mm -hmm. which was not good, in my opinion. And one of the reasons was because they really tried to make the mythology deeper than what it was. Like, suddenly he was kind of Michael Myers going after family members. I'm like, what is this? You know I mean? Because, you know, New Line got a hold of him, um, and they kind of wanted to make this epic kind of thing with Jason and it was like no he's he's a monster at the bottom of the lake <laughs> like just keep it that way keep him going to Crystal Lake you don't need to redo it um but then again I don't know if you take my word for it. there's a really cool podcast kill by kill podcast that did like they really dive deep into it but um I mean I know you can probably take my word for as a grain of salt because one of my favorite Jasons is Jason X so <laughs> I know that that's Jason goes to space yeah, I know. You people can judge me. I take it. I'll take it because I really like that movie <laughs> because it was just so much meta and it's great kills. Um, once again, I with Jason, I just <laughs> I know it's just like with Jason. I honestly I take him as a creature feature and just give me some great kills and Jason being doing some good killing and I'm I'm satisfied. You know so. I am judging you so hard right now because you just... Jason X like... is really good. It's, he gets an upgrade. I mean, the characters were funny. I thought... I, it's really... I feel like it's one of those movies where 
people dislike it maybe just because it's so different but they tried something and they stood in their truth i appreciated what they tried i enjoyed it that and for a time i'll even admit jason goes to manhattan was one of the ones wasn't my favorite but funny enough that was the one i always kept looking at because either it had always been on network tv or something but I saw Jason goes to Manhattan and he was only honestly in New York for like 20 minutes. But um, yeah, that was one of the ones. But to me, the best one is, uh, I think it's uh, New Blood, uh, where their girl has telekinesis or telepathy or whatever. Um, Oh, is it the seventh one? Yeah, I think it's the seventh one. And like, that was my favorite one. I think that's the best of the franchise where, because Jason actually meets a formidable foe Mm -hmm. in that, in the sense of the girl having powers. Um, To me, that was the closest that we were going to get to something epic that was justified. But yeah, I I like Jason X. It's one of my faves. I think it's one of the best of the series. One, not the, but one of the best. Okay, I can forgive you saying it's one of the best. As long as it's not the best, and I'd be like, why though? That's what I'd be like at you the entire time. No, well, what I did just... you think was the best one? Um, the one I thought was the best, I actually really liked the second one. Second one, okay. Yeah, yeah well, that's when Jason emerges yeah. himself, yeah. Yeah. No, it... that was the one. Yeah, I ended up liking it actually like a little bit better than the first one because like who wouldn't doesn't like potato sack Jason with like the one eye <laughs> hole like cut off cut out in his head. I honestly like, I like that one I do, but I all I can't take him seriously either. Like it's like he's walking around with like you just said potato sack on his head. He's got these overalls, and I'm just like. I can't take this killer seriously. Why hasn't no one been able to kill this guy yet? What is going on? Okay, wait a minute. You can't take him seriously, but you can take Cyber Jason more seriously. that's a deadly Jason. I mean, that guy, I can understand how I'm being killed by that guy. A dude that's barefoot running in the woods with a potato sack on his head. I'm kind of questioning how everyone's getting killed so quickly. Like, it's just like no one sees this guy coming. Like, I don't know. Hey, it's, it's hillbillies. Hillbillies and horror. <laughs> and that's a funny thing, too. I, I always look like looking at the... There was an interesting um, plot, interesting kind of... Uh, I love people who are like horror scholars, too, um, because there's so much such deep stuff to get into on the women question, but you mentioned hillbillies, and I don't know, like... I haven't gone too deep into it because I, I want to do more research where I form like a total opinion. But I know there have been people who have a real issue with kind of the portrayal of people who, because usually it's like associated like working class, working poor people as somewhat backwards. They eat people, they kill people in the woods. And you have a lot of that sometimes in a lot of genres too. Like they're the easy mark of the villain in movies, which I think is it's interesting. I think that's an interesting angle. I'd be interested to see more of like uh, of uh, kind of movies like that to see just if that's true or not. Hmm. So, uh, are you thinking of going like uh, re- kind of recent movies or like past movies? Because I'm thinking like, okay, one of the most famous, of course, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, I the- love that movie. I saw the- it for the first time recently. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So f- I, first- I honestly, yes, I honestly had seen... The first, I had seen the 2000, I think it was the 2003 one. That was a good Jessica one. Bill. I actually didn't like it. Really? Like 
I because it seemed so much and maybe because I was the you know you get desensitized seeing movies similar to oh. other movies so I was like oh yeah there's a killer and he has a chainsaw cool <laughs> and it's like some you know backwards family blah, blah blah but that that 1970s one just the way it was shot it I was actually uncomfortable like in a good way I was like so creeped out by the way this was done where it was so t- it was so scary to me and I was I was actually uh, surprised I was scared. But yeah, it kind of goes off of that because I did research on what went into the whole Texas Chainsaw Massacre and what the you know creator was thinking. And it was this idea of people being out of work because of companies, corporations up and leaving towns and leaving wastelands. Like, you know, we've seen that in Detroit. I know, for example, I'm from, I'm born and raised from Jersey and um, Camden, New Jersey was a big thing when the Campbell Soup Company left them and it became a desolate town and stuff. And, um, and it was so cool that he used that once again, horror being progressive, where it uses this kind of reflection of what happens to people when they're out of work. I mean, we know not everyone starts eating people and stuff, (laughs) but you know, there's that question of that. And I think that's probably the one time when it it was done well, uh, where, using that theme made sense because it wasn't really a reflection on working people, but more so a reflection on society and how they treat people who are out of work, the underemployed. Um, but then there are other movies where it's like, don't go in the woods because there's just people who are in the woods and like to eat people. There's a lot of that too. Yeah. So. What is that? I think it's, is that Hills Have Eyes? No. Um, uh, uh, the Hills Have Eyes is like the, the desert in Nevada, I think. Desert. The government. Yeah. Long turn, I think, is like that, right? Where there's like some hillbillies and stuff. Hillbillies just get a bad rep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mountain people, stuff like that. Yeah. And it's, I do think it's a little bit of that judgmental. These are the, we don't know these people, so let's make them villains type of thing. Which is why I really also like the movie um, uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I don't know if you see that yes. one. Like, yes. I have a friend, she really loves that movie. <laughs> But it's also because of the fact that it plays on that thing. People are all automatically assuming, oh, my God, they want to kill us. And it's like, no, actually, we're like regular people, right? (laughs) And I love love when movies, and this is, once again, this is what horror does. It gives us the space to have these tropes, but then subvert them, too. Because what that movie did, it subverted the trope that's tried and true. Yeah. weird wood people, hillbillies, and it's like, actually, no. And it, it subverted that trope and actually made you stop and think, why do we do that? Why do, because there's real people who live in, in areas and stuff like this, and they've been made this weird entity of tropes, you know? It's yeah. kind of, you know. Yeah, I'd be curious to kind of see, like, if that is still used in such a capacity today, because, you know, I'm from Missouri, and the joke is always like, oh, the Ozarks always have these barefoot hillbillies so like, living <laughs> in the hills, so I'm just like, yeah. ha, ha, like, ha-ha, like, you know, yeah, I get it, so I can kind of, like, laugh it off, but I can see, like, maybe where some people, like, wouldn't be able to, so I'm, like, kind of curious about, like, if that's still prevalent, like, in a uh, big capacity today, or if it's kind of died down a little bit, so. Yeah, on the yeah. other end of the spectrum, yeah. you know, there, I think... I mean, they're, they're, they've always been movies like this, but I think even more so there are movies that now make it so the villains are outright, like, 
corporations type thing too. So it goes on the other end of the mm-hmm. spectrum. Like you have these working class people or these people that work off the land and stuff, this unknown entity, the city people who were made kind of villains and like deliverance and stuff like that. And then on the other end of that spectrum, now they're like, no, the real people are these people that control everything you see on TV and stuff like that. That's the real, like John Carpenter, once again, once again, ahead of his time with They Live. You know, people really slept on that movie when it came out. But he was ahead of his time and in, in seeing and using that kind of movie to reflect a real problem in society in such a fantastical way. You know, and now we see that a bit more. Jordan Peele's doing it in that vein and stuff. But, you know, John Carpenter did it back in the 1980s with Reaganomics. Yep. John, yeah. yeah, John Carpenter is doing it before it was cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm that, and that's a great thing about our thing, our genre too, is that sometimes, um, well, one, we don't always need a big audience either, right? Yeah. Like there are cult yeah. fa- favorites that people love, and they're fine with a lot of people. I know a lot of us sometimes are fine that it's not a phenomenon because sometimes stuff gets mainstream. And then it gets diluted. So that's fine, too. And because it doesn't usually take all that much to make, you know, people can can sustain. But I think also the beauty of it is that we can put these movies out. And because depending on the theme, they can become or stay relevant in such a great way. You know, like they live. Like I said, it's an example of a movie came out in the 1980s. And we're seeing very similar situations in terms of uh, the growing wage gap. Uh, the idea of poverty and things like that, that they very much dealt with and they live. We're seeing that right now today, you know, Um, and it's so relevant, even though it came out over 20 years ago. Yeah, they live. I yeah, such a great movie. Oh, man. I I love it. Go ahead. I love John Carpenter's period. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I really like John Carpenter. The one movie, though, I cannot sit through. Um, and it's probably just because of my gag reflex or whatever. I can't sit through the thing. Like, I can't sit through what? that movie. Uh, it's so nasty in uh, terms of certain elements. I can't sit through it. <laughs> what? It is my favorite horror movie, like, ever. That is, like, my number one. That dog scene with uh, the dog and the... Uh, I can't. I'm just like, <laughs> like, I can't do it. Okay, I, I will admit that that is a very hard scene for me to watch. Like, if I can, I, like, fast forward through that scene <laughs> until it, like, gets to, like, the torchy, like, uh, like where Childs, like, torches it. Uh, but, I, uh. like, yeah, I just, like, yeah, so that's, if I can, I fast forward through it, but if I can't, I'm just, like, There's no. another scene, I think, with the guy, was it that scene? There's another thing with the guy and his body starts, like, his head's crawling around. I was, like, I can't. I turn it, I'm, like, I can't sit to this i appreciate the movie i appreciate everything else but i'm like it's so those things are so interwoven i'm like i can't i can't sit through that oh <laughs> that's my one john carpenter movie i can't sit through yeah it does have its gross elbows but, I think the, but yeah definitely but i think the idea that i like behind it is just the idea of isolation and just like there really being no way out and you're not really fighting for your survival like your own personal survival you're fighting for the survival of humanity so i think that's what attracts me to that movie like a lot Oh, yeah, for sure. It has great right. themes and stuff. I, I'm waiting for the day that someone maybe makes the cut where they take those scenes out for me. If anyone, I'm making their cuts. If anyone wants to make that for me so that I can sit through this film, 
I would love you forever. Just cut out all those scenes. Make that edited version that I don't have to watch. Yeah, the thing, the Chauncey edited edition with the dog scene removed. The, do- the thing, like totally just watered down. <laughs> I know, I can't though. I have my limits, but that's the great thing. Like you said in the beginning, like horror fans, we have so many different kind of uh, sensibilities, but also we have so many different things that we love um, that can be very different from each other. You know, we're not a monolith, which I love. I think it's awesome. Right. And I like it how we could just be like, oh, I like this. Well, I really didn't like this. So we're not like, (laughs) oh, your opinion is so wrong. Like, you know, you know, like most of nowadays, it's just like, oh, well, why didn't you like this? Like, I want to hear why. Like, that's what I hear of a lot in horror. And it's so great. Yeah, the the horror community, like I said, it's just been so welcoming um, to me. I so much so I'm just like, wow, you know, like I mean, when you reached out and asked me, I was just like, oh my god, that's so awesome! Like, thank you, you know. It's like cause sometimes in certain aspects, it can be, especially in media. I know as a journalist, like you know, other media companies don't like to talk to other media companies. We all are trying to get the same story sometimes, or it's like I've got to get to the deadline before you. No one likes to like work across the board with each other to kind of build something. Thing. And that's not to say it's a perfect place because I've I've met some jerks in this community too. But I've met I think the positivity um, has weighed out way more than any of the negative aspects, which have been just so great. Just makes me want to dive into it even more. I'm just really excited about 2019 with just like so like I said with my original writing with growing the YouTube channel more and, and my blog and connection with it. I'm just, you know, excited to be more and more into the horror. I just love it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't encountered too many jerks in the horror community as well. Uh, so it's just been, like, really nice to see. And I, I, like I said, I love that you agreed to come on here because, like, I always, like, tend to – something that I always, like, tend to mention, like, every podcast, I always tend to tentatively approach it like, well, they're going to say no. Because they're gonna be like, oh, oh they're gonna be like, oh, that girl. Like, why do I want to talk to her? <laughs> no, I appreciate. It. I love talking hard, especially. Yeah, I just yeah, with women, and it's just awesome. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I there's some something else that I wanted to like ask you like more. It's kind of like kind of cycle back towards your YouTube channel now. Um, so you make all sorts of different types of videos. Um, so you make uh, you have the bloody Blake breakdown where you talk about like a breakdown movie trailers you have your movie reviews you have your like little fun videos that you do like the horror tropes one but is there like a specific type of video that you like making like maybe more than the others or do you just like I like it all I do I like them all for the most part I I will say the horror trailers are probably the most fun when (laughs) I get to respond to horror trailers because you know with my reviews, um, you know, I take it from a perspective of, oh, I think so. I take it from a perspective of analysis, right? So what I'm usually doing is with my reviews, I'm dissecting it. I'm like, you know, are these characters worthy? Because it's a product review more so because I'm dissecting this movie to tell the viewer, should you watch this? Is this something you want to give your time? And why would you want to give your time or why not? So it's kind of have a task to do, even though I enjoy it because I probably enjoyed or whatever in the movie. But with the horror trailer, it's so organic. It's like, I don't know what this is. And I'm I'm such an emotive type person because maybe it's my theater training or something. So I like, I, I respond. I love laughing. I love responding. I love using my hands, uh, things like that. So 
with the horror trailers, I'm experiencing it for the first time with the viewer too. And there's just something really cool about that. And they're just the easiest to uh, edit, which is, (laughs) I guess, kind of put the thing on top of it. And, you know, people like one of the ones that was probably the most fun well, well, the John Wick one, I did a trailer reaction to John Wick, and I was just so excited for that. Um, but I also did for the Us trailer with Jordan Peele, um, the Jordan Peele Us movie that's coming out in March. And that came out on Christmas Day. I wasn't even home. I wasn't in L.A. I was over in New Jersey. And I woke up. He put it out on Christmas Day at like 6 a.m. And I was on East Coast time. And I woke up. It was there. And I thought to myself, OK, I'm at my parents' house. I don't even have my normal setup. But I really want to do this this trailer reaction. And, you know, it's one of those things, too, about the community online where it doesn't always need to be, like, glossy and look like it comes from, like, network TV type stuff. In fact, people don't like that online a lot of times. Sometimes they like relatability. You know, they like the idea that they're in your room with you. They're hanging out with you. There's something more trustworthy to people about that. Yeah. And so with my trailer reaction, even with my reviews too, but with trailer, it's like, hey, I saw this thing I really want to check out. Come and check it out with me. And I get to do that. And I always love when people comment and they say, oh my gosh, I laughed at that same time that you did. And that was really awesome. Or I really liked your reaction to that. I love when you laugh like that. You know, like that's awesome. That's a connection, you know, and that's so organic, you know, it's not scripted. It's just, let's go with it, which I, I that's the best kind. Yeah, and I noticed that you always had that vibe, like, across your other YouTube videos as well, just, like, your setup, like, right here. It's just, like, I can tell, like, you're in your room. You got, like, you know, yeah. movie posters up on the walls, and it's just, like, hey, look at me. Like, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just in my room chilling. Let's chat about it. Let's um, watch this trailer together. Yeah, and I, like, I just... Yeah, because I love horror and hopefully, like, horror and dark fantasy stuff. And it's, like, if you're on my channel, you do, too. And it's, like, I mean, I think also because working as a journalist, there's such, it's it can be such a stoic kind of thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to have a certain, you know, I go to certain conferences and I have to dress a certain way. And we have to ask a certain thing at a press conference and stuff. It's very... Yeah. Uh, you know, I like it, but it's also a certain way you have to be. And that's fine. But we're seeing in this day and age where people are more responsive to people that they don't think have a corporation behind them or something. People who they think this is someone who genuinely wants to do this so I can trust them a bit more, you know, and I and that's real, you know, and that's that's the real connection. That's the wave. of That's the future right there. That's the present. Actually, that's the right now. You know, that's why we see so many people on YouTube and stuff being able to do so well as they do, because you look at some of these channels and I know the ongoing joke is like this person's 12 and they're just doing pranks. But (laughs) there's a lot of YouTubers like if you I mean, that's the surface kind. But honestly, if you look at the real statistics, who does well, it's actually like it's actually grown people and they usually have product reviews or they have a, a comedy thing or they're, you know, playing, you know, they do video games, stuff like that. And it's really this relatability where someone gets to spend time with someone that they they like the personality and they like what they have to say about something they're interested in too. You know, it's kind of that peer sort of, I don't know, experience that people really still like, you know? Yeah, there's like, of course there's some edits, but there's yeah. it's, it's not like, you know, the whole like, you mentioned like glossy, like, 
Red, uh, straight to like network TV kind of thing because I do agree there is this more of an element I feel of trust like on YouTube like you know doing podcasts too and on Twitch to where you're just getting the genuine unfiltered reaction and it's just kind of like with things on TV sometimes you're just like should I even trust this I don't know <laughs> yeah because yeah. you don't know if they're doing it for that. $20 million commercial that that corporation paid to put in between, you know, things that you don't, you don't know, you know, I think that's probably why people even are leaning towards Netflix too a bit more. Cause they're like, well, no one has to sell me anything. Well, maybe there's product placement, but uh, you know, there's this <laughs> idea though of, Hey, here's this streaming network that, you know, really what they want to do is keep me entertained. So I keep my subscription, you know, and that's kind of the same thing with YouTube, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't cost anything for people to subscribe. It's like, I want you to want to engage with me. So I want to create content that you want to see, like how more tailor made is that as opposed to, you know, at times with network TV where, I mean, soap operas came about literally because people were trying to sell soap. Like, they were like, soap operas started on radio because they were selling soap. Yes, it was, Martha, don't do that. No, Tony, but in the midst of it, it was, I've got to go wash my hands with this great dove. Like, this is all stuff to sell you things, <laughs> you know? Like, that's what it is. And so I, people get tired of it after a bit. So they, they do like this whole more intimate kind of vibe where people wear, I mean, that's not to say, you know, YouTubers and stuff don't get sponsorships and stuff. People yeah, got, yeah. You know, but and I think people understand that, too. But they also know the base of it is I'm doing this because I love it. You know, I'm doing this topic because I enjoy this topic, not just because there's some corporation behind me that wants to sell you something. And here I am being their middle person all the time or something. Right. I think that's also why I like um, interacting with you on Twitter and watching like your YouTube, because you have that. element of relatability it's just like i was digging back into some of your older videos and like uh the trailer ash into suspiria i just uh. I, I love that because you're just like what is this what is this like yeah what is like, this what? because that was just like because that was exactly my reaction when i first watched that trailer so it's like what 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 yeah i'm actually um i have not seen the new one yet i have it um, I'm going to watch it because I want, I love, I actually saw the original recently and I loved it. Oh my God. I really love the original. I love the look of it. I think I just love the whole, like when you can tell a director is directing or whatever. And that you saw that with Argento and stuff. Um, and I, I started this new one and I don't know, I'm going to do a comparison video though. And I'm probably going to ruffle some feathers with it, I think, but I don't know about this new one yet. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't even made it through. It's like two and a half hours long. That's too long. Oh, so you'd have to have some, like, a serious block of time just sit down and, like, yeah. really invest in it. Yeah, I'm kind of like that, too. It's just like if a movie's over two hours, I look at it and go, okay, do I really want to take two and a half hours out of my day watching this? <laughs> I think, you know, the thing is, I also, I mean, I don't have hard and fast rules, but right. I do think there are rules. I do think there are conditions that are usually proven right. Like we all know in certain franchises, the sequel is usually not as good as the first one. And then the third one comes about to redeem whatever they switched up in the second one. Mm -hmm. That's usually what happens. The sequel loses its way. The third one comes about, that's what happened in Nightmare Elm Street franchise 
all those, I think Halloween is probably the only one that did not, that wasn't the case because they just totally did, redid Michael Myers. But that's usually the case sometimes. And I think it's the I have a certain rule when it comes to the length of horror movies or dark fantasy type movies as well. I don't think, I know superhero movies need to be like two and a half hours sometimes, I guess, because they have to tell you their origin story, mm-hmm. then get to the main battle. I don't think you usually have to do that with a horror story because it's a it's a tale. You know, one of my favorite writers is Edgar Allan Poe, and a lot of his stuff was mm-hmm. short stories, and they were so effective. You know, it built an atmosphere, and I don't think horror is necessarily a punchline all the time, but there is something of a mystery going on. There is something going on, and it doesn't need all that time to tell it, or I feel like you lose the intensity of it, right? And so I, I side eye when I think when I hear a horror movie or something, it's like over two hours. I'm like, what's going on in this movie for that long? And that's why there was so much controversy, I think, when I did that uh, video on the um, exorcism, the exorcist um, that ruffled a lot of feathers when I did the overhyped one. Now, mind you, I didn't say it was my conclusion was not that it was overhyped. I actually appreciated it his its historical significance but i also noted that the script was inflated and i felt like there were scenes that didn't need to necessarily be there i know that they were trying to make a lot of it um you know from the book but you know there's a reason why that's the book and this is a movie and i was constantly told there were people who were telling me oh my gosh it's because you're too young you know these people have such you guys have such short attention spans nowadays and i'm like no that's not why i can sit through a two and a half hour movie i just didn't think this needed to be it you know oh jeez yeah i remember seeing the exorcist too whenever it was on netflix and i uh I, I, after I watched it, I was like, oh, well, you know, okay. Like, you know, I could kind of see just like, you know, it has its place in the horror yes. genre. And obviously it's a cultural uh, icon. And yes. like you, like whenever someone says the exorcist, like, oh, it's the girl with the spinny head. And she like knows, like, um, you know, infested i don't think it's the right word i don't know what the word is i'm looking for possess possess they're not infested, yeah. possessed. like wait words escape me for a second and so like yeah people know it for that but it's just like yeah i would probably ruffle a lot of feathers too with me just saying oh, it's just it's okay it's nothing yeah like you know i didn't find it too scary yeah and that's the like, thing too like <laughs> scary can be subjective right yeah. like when when um when get out came out a lot of people didn't want to call that a horror movie People are like, that's not a horror movie. Well, that's, you know, that's usually how it is, though. If a movie is suddenly seems prestigious, they suddenly don't want to call it a horror film. Right, right. You know, Mm because the horror does not get the respect it deserves. No. Um, So suddenly it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thriller. It's like, come on, it's a horror film, you know? And, um, but usually, you know, sometimes people... There's the whole idea of what what's really terrifying for people, and I do I do think that's subjective. But I do think good narrative and story can be objective in the sense of knowing structure and things, and knowing when a scene should end, which was kind of my critique of The Exorcist. But you know, I get it. People are stuck, not stuck. People are attached to the things they love. So I try to be respectful of that too. I'm not one of those critics and stuff who, um. Is necessarily I want to go in hating on everything. I do not. I hate. I do not like hate watching exactly. a show or a movie. I don't do that. I think life's too short to go out of my way to watch a movie I know I'm going to hate. I'd rather just not watch it. I know that's not everyone's mo. I know there's people out there who honestly go after movies to tear them apart. 
I don't care. I know because work did go into the movie. You know, I don't want to just rip someone's stuff to shreds or something, you know, just just for laughs or views, you know. Yeah. And you also got to bring up an interesting point, too, about just how some people are like, especially if they're huge fans of something, they feel like everybody has to like 100 percent of everything about it. And it's just like, no, it's not necessarily the case. Like, you can, like, like something, but still be like, well, it has its flaws. Well, you're not a fan of it. Well, yeah, I am a fan of it, but it has its flaws. Exactly. And we should be, and that's the thing, we should be allowed to have that space to challenge these things. So that's the only way that new things get made, that a breath of fresh air can be brought into things if things are challenged, you know. Um, I did a poll not too long ago about what, I asked people, what do they want my next, um, my next overhyped horror to be. And I got like 600 or so votes, which was really cool. I did it within 24 hours. And 600 people weighed in. And I, had, I gave them three choices. And it was The Shining, okay. which I've been wanting to take on for some time. The Jack Nicholson version. Okay. I got feelings about that one. <laughs> and Alien. And also uh, Poltergeist. And so um, The Shining went out. And funny enough, it sparked this whole thing sparked a really interesting conversation under the poll because people were admitting like I didn't like the Jack Nicholson one, like oh I that I really had problems with that, I, and it, people would be in good company because Stephen King hated it too. But it was like you know there's this idea of that, and then I had some people telling me you can't touch Alien, like that to me was so crazy, and there were so many people, and not like mean, just like straight up no, no one can talk bad about Alien. I'm like. Who decided that? Who gets to decide? I can't say anything about Alien. <laughs> like, is it? did someone have a meeting I wasn't invited to that they got to sit down and say, Alien's an untouchable movie? <laughs> you know? Yes, they, like, they had that meeting last week. Yes, I missed it. I totally missed it. <laughs> I would agree up to a point about those, like, movies kind of being overhyped. Maybe in just in some way to where... they're talked about all the time so it's just like okay like I'm kind of sick of hearing about it now like shut up like you know that kind of thing but I I liked like each of them in their own different ways but it's not like a movie I would go to saying hmm or they're not movies I would go to saying hmm I want to watch a movie let me pop in poltergeist like that's not really just like yeah I, yeah, and even yeah, and even then, I don't go to some of these movies saying I'm totally going to rag them. You know, sometimes I watch a movie like I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like I said, thinking I'm going to say this is all right, and I came out of it loving it. I was like, oh no, this was totally justified. <laughs> like I think this is a totally justified film, just with everything I learned about it. I was like, yes, this was wonderful. So, but people get you know they get in their feelings a little bit about stuff. It's like. And I get it. We we have a community of very passionate people. Right. Which I love. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Passion is okay, but it's just like whenever it gets to like you make people feel bad for having an opinion, that's why I never like. That's not okay. Yeah. Which, you know, and I think especially for women, we we're okay. fighting for that space too, you know, and I think that's important. Um, fighting for that space to have that voice. Because sometimes it's always weird to me sometimes, especially on TV shows where I see the commentary or when they allow like commentators and stuff, it's usually always guys. And I'm like, where's the women at? (laughs) Like, where's the women for this? I don't know. I know we're out there. (laughs) We're hiding. (laughs) Clearly. Uh, Clearly. 
it's just like I yeah I don't I don't know about that <laughs> oh right wow we've been talking for pretty close to almost an hour and a half see I tell you yeah. like whenever like we get off like you know whatever I get off on someone I could like talk with them to them about horror just like go for ages like oh, that's if you, awesome if you let me so uh okay i'm gonna ask my chat like if they have any questions like specifically for you or comments but while we're waiting on those um talk about where we can find you on social media like where's your youtube channel twitter like all that other stuff yeah you can find me on twitter at miss chauncey kr that's m s my name K-R. And then you can also find me on Instagram, minus the R. So it's just Miss Chauncey K. And now um, my blog is now live again and more active, which basically connects back to the YouTube, but with a few more like news items and a few more musings at ChaunceyKRobinson.com, which is the Twisted Girl Next Door blog that I've got. And of course, you can find me on YouTube. And um, I'm on YouTube. Uh, the YouTube name is Chauncey K. Robinson as well. And it's Twisted Girl TV. So, and yeah, I'm, I'm like just really excited. My go-to uh, thing that I say is let's get creepy together mm-hmm. consensually, yes, of course. Yes. And, <laughs> but yeah, let's get creepy together. Like totally. I, I always welcome people watching my videos and weighing in. I love hearing what other people have to say. And I'm totally fine when people disagree with me in a respectful way. So. Right, yeah, that's good. So as long as they're saying you like this, so you're a doo doo head, it's just like yeah. what this stick to Harry Potter. Like Yeah. Stick to Harry Potter, Chauncey. I mean come I have on. Never, I have never publicly even reviewed Harry Potter. I've never even I've never even talked about Harry Potter on any of my social I don't know where they got that from. That was so weird to me. I honestly think they were trying to make some type of joke about my age. I don't know. I think they was like, this wizardy young girl. Like, like okay. Yeah, now you should, like, review Harry Potter. It's just like, okay, this is the, to the person that said I should stick to Harry Potter. Harry Potter is. No, just... <laughs> exactly. Oh, so it looks like we got a couple questions. Um, I don't think um, this has been asked yet. Oh, okay. So what do you consider? I think, like, we uh, talked a little bit about the, the horror film that you felt was the best. So which horror film do you feel like is the worst? Where you watched it and you were just like, ew, or why, or what is this? Oh, my gosh. Uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. So I usually have a rule. I don't go after like indie films because usually they're low budget and those are up and coming filmmakers and everyone needs the space too. So I usually, I have no problem though saying when I hate a mainstream horror film. So I guess I'll go with a recent one just because they got so much money to already do it. So I don't feel bad. Um, I cannot stand strangers pray at night. I saw that movie. I actually did a review for that on my channel and it was the latest strangers one and it was oh my gosh just everything about it then i went to the theater to see it i got uh, went to advanced screening and i once again i'll be full disclosure it's not my favorite subgenre the whole random people just killing the kill um and not like a slasher just like you know straight up just brutal type news at 11 and I couldn't stand it because they really made it so the characters had no fighting chance. That's my thing about narrative. I want to believe that there's a chance that the character might win. Even if they don't, they don't have to, but the character has to have a chance to win. And it seemed like this movie literally just wanted to play on anyone's senses who would be okay to 
watch something and just basically go watch people get killed. And I know that sounds weird to say in horror because you literally are going to watch people get killed. But I mean in the sense of, like, there's no real story behind it. It's kind of like horror porn. That's what I call mm-hmm. it sometimes. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, sometimes with pornos where it's like someone's delivering the pizza. Oh, you forgot the tip. And that's the that's it. And then it goes into whatever it's going to go into. I don't watch. <laughs> yeah, that's my stereotypical <laughs> way of what I think porn can be um, with no plot. But that's kind of how some that movie was, where it's like, there's no plot. Let's just get into, t- like, like cutting these people down. And I think, I like to think horror is a bit more creative than that. That, yes, let's have killing, let's have gore, but let's have a plot behind it. I don't want to just go watch a family get killed. That's, that's kind of weird. <laughs> like, just to watch them just get cut down. Yeah, even with Strangers, there's more to it than that. It's just like, yeah, yeah they were just like, they were killing people and they had no purpose rhyme reason or purpose but it was terrifying to me it was terrifying and they right. and it did it in a way that worked right. and i think it was also i think at the, the other movies the characters had a fighting chance to i mean you know we know what happens but it was it was the illusion of a fighting chance and then strangers pray at night they just made them make such stupid decisions like the whole family just made really bad decisions to the point where the only way they survived was to me a, a really just contrived part in the in the script. I was like that. The only way this movie is going to be an hour and a half is for, is dumb luck with these characters. Because I'm like, if these characters actually made these real decisions, this movie would be a half an hour. They all be dead within the first half an hour of this film, you know. And they drew it out. And I'm like, so I'm watching a whole movie where I'm like, you kind of deserve to die because you make these, you keep making these stupid decisions. You have to be able, I think. One of the best things of a horror thing is to be able to root for someone as a viewer. Have to be, even if they don't win, we have to have someone we can root for. Everyone can't be a jerk. Everyone can't be stupid. You know? No, because then you're rooting for them to die. It's like you don't want to do that. Yeah. Who does? Who wants to watch a story like that? I don't. No. I don't know. Me, me neither. So you kind of like save me from like a bad movie. So thank you for that. Uh, all right. Another question. Okay, we kind of talked a little bit about overrated horror films, but what horror film do you think is underrated that doesn't get the respect it deserves i was just talking about this a couple weeks ago um i really liked michael j fox's movie frighteners um i absolutely loved that movie it was one of um i remember it years ago used to come on network tv and i watched back when they showed movies on network tv Mm -hmm. uh, they don't do that as much anymore it was like a saturday night movie or whatever and i remember watching frighteners and i absolutely loved it i thought it was scary at times i thought of course it was funny i've always liked michael j fox period But it was a movie that, I mean, just reading about, I loved it when it came on network TV, but I realized, you know, one, not a lot of people always know about it, but also when it first came out, it didn't do as well. I mean, it did well enough, but it wasn't like the big hit that they had hoped it it would be. And um, it makes me a little sad because it's actually a really good movie. I would recommend Frighteners to people. It's a solid film. I so glad you said that. I love that movie. Okay. Oh my goodness. Awesome. We agree on something. <laughs> yes. Not Jason X, but we agree on something. <laughs> Jason X is also underrated. People don't appreciate that movie. <laughs> don't, don't don't listen to her. <laughs> okay, and then someone asked if you have seen the original Puppet Master films. If so, what did you think of those? I have. I have seen the original Puppet Master. Those are also very creepy films. I I'm not someone 
Um, just like I've never been someone who's really afraid of clowns. I know that really creeps people out. I'm also not someone who's always been afraid of like creepy dolls and stuff. Um, I have a lot of stuffed animals and dolls and stuff, and I tend to like them. And so for me, I, I, I did find that creepy still though. Like the puppet with the hook for the hand. And it was, um, I really like those. Though that was, and you know, the the one thing I love about horror, like the good horror to me, I'm not a big fan of CGI um, in horror films. I, I can't stand it because I'm just like, why do we need computerized stuff? There's so many like practical effects you can do that make it make it feel like something. And there was something about these dolls. Like some of it I think was claymation. Some of it was like them moving the things around and it worked. It was creepy and it worked. So I, I actually really do like the Puppet Master franchise. I think... Puppet Master Third Wreck or something came out not too long ago. It was very indie. Very indie. I didn't get to watch it, though. What? <laughs> I know. It just sounds like such a weird title for a film. It's just like, all right. Yeah, I, think, like... I don't know. I think it was like one of the puppets was a Nazi. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, if we get rid of that trope, too, to horror films, that'd be good. I I, I'm tired of seeing that. <laughs> Like, that could go bye-bye. There's a bonus, like, tip number, like, the trope number six. Six, Yeah. Yeah. Like, no. (laughs) Um, Oh, Uh, this is also a really good question. What do you think of the trend of remaking classic horror films for a modern audience? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's a fine line, for sure. We are getting so many reboots um, so many remakes, uh, you know, the Chucky one is about to be a movie. It's also about to be a TV show. Um, Candyman, Jordan Pill said he's going to do Candyman. I think it depends. I think if you can respect the source material, um, because you kind of have to question why you're making it, right? If it just making it to make a quick buck and you're just saying, oh, we need this to be more flashy and, you know, because people can't appreciate the original. Well, one, you're insulting the original as though it didn't have longevity enough. Yeah, some stuff is dated. You know, some things, you know, you can be like, oh, that's kind of cheap looking now. It won't be as effective in terms of fear. But um, some stuff does have the the test of time. Like, I would love with the Candyman remake if they get Tony Todd to be Candyman. Like, I I know some people are like, you need to have a, a, new, a new Candyman. But he's still around. He's still doing so. He does so many movies a year. This is like a hardworking horror icon right here. And it's like, you're redoing Candyman. He has to be in it. It was the same thing with... Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. I could not stand that remake. Oh my gosh. They changed everything about what made the put the I mean they 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 totally messed up the characterization of Nancy. And that's dear to my heart cuz Nancy is like my horror woman icon um in terms of a hero heroine in a movie and they just totally messed up her whole characterization and then I mean they I don't know what they were doing with Freddy and I just thought they didn't respect the source material. So if you can respect the source material, then it can work. Like, for example, I thought the new Friday the 13th, where I think the creator said it was the sequel to it. Uh, I actually liked that one. I thought it was really, it was the guy from Supernatural. I think he was the lead of it. Yeah. And I I liked that movie. I thought it kept with the, the whole thing of Jason being this real killer. Um, the kills were good. They had a cool mix of characters, expendable bodies, as I like to call them. Um, and it all worked because they respected what the origin of the Jason franchise was. So I think it depends. Like the Jason remake was great. The Nightmare on Elm Street one was horrible because also no offense to the guy that played J- Freddy in that one, 
Robert England was still is still around. He could still totally have played Freddy. Why didn't you do that? <laughs> Why didn't you just have Freddy? You know, he's still around. You know, respect respect our horror icons. Yeah, since like on the one hand, like I I do not like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake either. I haven't seen the new uh, the new Jason one, so I can't like comment on that. But oh my god, like mm-hmm. what the hell were they thinking? Just like with <laughs> exactly. Freddy's, just like he may be innocent. Oh, psych, he's totally not innocent. It's like why did you try and make me feel sympathy for him? I don't need to feel sympathy for him. I like him because he's a dick. Yes. So ex- yes. And it's just, so I'm kind of glad that Robert England wasn't in that trash pile. I am like, too. So it's just like, yeah. So we respected our horror icons <laughs> in that way because he wasn't anywhere near that movie. Yeah. So, oh, oh man. So I, now I feel that th- this is a good spot to wrap things up as much as I'd awesome. like to like keep you and like talk with you like for hours. Thank you for having me. And thank you yeah. to people who ask yeah. questions. I'm like, oh my gosh, people actually wanted to ask me questions. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, of course they'd want to ask you questions. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, it definitely in the future, like, if you ever, like, want to come on again, or just, like, because I'm planning all, all um, special episodes in the future with, yeah. like, different themes. So I, if you would like in the future, if I could approach you saying, hey, like, I'm thinking of doing the special episode. like, Oh, yeah, on. I'm totally down. This was such a great experience, and you're so cool to talk to. So if you have some, spe- and you know, if you have a special theme or something you want to talk about, I am so game. For that so just let me know like awesome like it's been so much fun like having you on yes. here as well and i'm glad that you enjoyed yourself so once again to ms chauncey aka the twisted girl next door thank you so much for <laughs> being on terrific talk and do you have any final party words for our audience let's get creepy together y'all yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i will be talking with you again soon okay bye, bye. Once again, thank you so very much to Ms. Chauncey, a.k.a. the Twisted Girl Next Door, for coming on to Terrific Talk tonight and talking about her YouTube channel and horror with me. I greatly appreciate you, Chauncey. So if you want to keep an eye on when videos and audio versions of the podcast are uploaded, go to youtube.com slash brandykins and to anchor.fm slash terrific talk also if you're interested in becoming a podcast patron you can go to patreon.com slash brandykins so until next week stay terrific everybody and bye bye